I don't know who's calling. I don't have the name on the caller ID. You, like, stop. Like, I can't take your... I'm on the phone with Zach. Stop calling. I don't... I, I will take your call after this interview. Sorry if I'm sounding Are frustrated. Okay, no, I'm not okay. okay. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I need to make a new intro. Been using that one for like two weeks. It was a funny moment. I love Zach being a part of the interview. Such a superb guest. Got to get it back on either this week or next. More Packers training camp stuff. A little bit of Badgers too. Got to get a new intro. Maybe something for the start of Packers season. Try to avoid any rips or humor relating to the NFC Championship game. All positive. Like a, a positive Packers intro. Anybody got any ideas? Anything come to mind? Just something to think about. We don't need to do it today, tomorrow. Let's make a goal. Next Monday, we're going to have a new intro. I don't know why I'm saying we. This is not, you're not involved. This is something I'm going to, something I'm going to have to do. Do you have any ideas? Here's my goal. Next Monday, let's have a new intro. Something that gets us excited about Packers season. Fired up for the green and gold. Yeah. Brewers are chasing the postseason too. I want to start the show tonight with the Brewers game from last night. And then we're going to sprinkle in Packers topics and NFL topics throughout the rest of the show. I I was concerned about the show as the day was going along today because when I got to work this morning, I realized I forgot my chapstick. I've been on such a good streak with this tube of chapstick, which is why I brought it up earlier this week, too. Like, I, I thought I lost it, and I found it. It rolled under my desk, and I've been without my chapstick today. And I, I don't know. I was worried. It hasn't affected me so far, but see how these uh, see how these next two hours go. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had a wonderful day. Some news, noteworthy things that happened today. Willie Adamas didn't go on the injured list. That's a positive. Didn't go on the 10-day like Eduardo Escobar, but he is out of the lineup tonight. In other injury news, Devin Funchess went on IR. And because he went on IR before the 53 roster was put together, he's out for the entire year. I don't really understand why that's a rule. I guess I kind of do. It's a way to like hide people on IR and then you can bring them back later so you can sneak more players into the season through the 53. I guess I get the rule. I just think it's kind of dumb. Like I think you should allow teams to, if, if players are hurt, you should be able to put them on the IR and then when they're healthy, you should be able to bring them back. I hate that they have limits. I hate that there are so many rules because it seems to me that those rules keep healthy, good players from playing. And I think that hurts the product. But I guess... For competitive reasons and for roster reasons, I understand. But Devin Funches, we hardly knew ye. Opted out last year during COVID and is going to miss this year with an injury. What's your favorite Devin Funches memory? And you're not allowed to say the racial slur at the press conference. Can't say that. Your favorite memory other than that. That's what we're going to talk about for the next two hours. 608-7962. Yeah, let me know. We are going to talk about the Packers. We're going to get into them at 420, actually, because our embedded green and gold reporter, Mike Clements, we're going to talk to him just for three or four minutes coming up at 420 to get the scoop on what happened in Green Bay today. I was surprised they put him on IR. I didn't think he was that injured, but I guess teams are always pretty close to the vest with injuries this year. Everything's a tweak, right? Daniel Hunter's back was a tweak last year, and then he missed the entire season, right? So this time of year, it's difficult to tell exactly how injured or non-injured players are, but Devin Funchess. Uh, Cheers to Devin Funchess and maybe his prospects of playing again in 2022. Packers can bring him back, maybe try again. Run it back. He already knows the offense. Never never played in the offense, but he knows it, at least to a degree. So we'll get connected with Mike Clements just for a couple of minutes coming up at 420. He'll give us the rundown. And then I have some other things I want to talk about between 
Packers quarterback situation, a couple of other NFL teams. Looking forward to that. We're going to hear from Kevin King at 530. Love to hear from you. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Follow me. Or if you hate the show, you hate my takes, I guess you could block me or unfollow me or tweet at me that I suck. That's, that's fine. That's what social media is for. It's a blast. In any case, my Twitter is at Wisco Grant. I do want to start with the Brewers. Brewers won last night in the first game of the series against the Reds 7-4. to And in a vacuum... If nothing else in the world existed except for last night's Brewer game and today's show, I would probably start the show today by playing up last night's Brewer game as a classic. Right? Oh, one of the best games all year. Must-see TV. Right? That's a game you'll remember. Right? Or whatever cliche we would attach to it. I, I always, for, for the, the baseline of games like this, the, the precedent, the example, is Manny Pena's Mother's Day game in 2017. Super memorable. It's a game to this day that I remember, and I thought about it all year that year, and I've, I've remembered it ever since. That game had nothing in the grand scheme of things, right? It was one game in May. But there are games scattered throughout a baseball season, whether they're consequential or not, whether they're against a divisional foe or not, whether they're in April or whether they're in September. Right At the end of the season, we look back and think, oh, that was one of the highlights. That, that game goes on the Mount Rushmore of Brewers games for the 2021 season. In a vacuum, I would probably start tonight's show by saying how last night's game was a classic, right? Brewers down 4-1, and then they score six runs in the final, see, two innings, three innings, to come back and win 7-4. Thing is, that's probably not even the best game of the week with the Brewers so far. You think about the comeback they had against the Cardinals last week. I think that comeback was better. That game was better. So, So I don't know how I can argue this game is a classic if it's not even the best Brewer game of the week. I think that just goes to show how blessed we are with this Brewers team in 2021. I almost turned the game off. I'll be 100% honest. So I had a night in by myself last night. I did nothing. I got home. I went for a run. I listened to the first inning while I was on my run. Corbin Burns got the double play. Nice. Brewers got the run via the sack fly from Abby Garcia. At that point, I was getting back to my house, and then I transferred the game from my phone, threw it on my laptop. I made some dinner, some spaghetti. Oh, so good. I roasted tomatoes, cherry tomatoes. They were about to go bad. They are starting to get shriveled, so I seared them with some olive oil and uh, some diced, diced peppers and onions. Let that kind of break down in the pan. Deglazed it with a little white wine. Just kidding. I didn't have any white wine. But if I did, that's what I would have done. And then added that to some noodles, some sauce. It was great, and I watched the Brewer game. And then I was kind of bumming around on the couch watching this game, and the Cardinals, or excuse me, the Reds, slowly took the lead. Big fourth inning against Corbin Burns, and eventually were up by a score of 4-1. to one. And... I almost turned the game off because I wanted to do other things. I was home alone last night, so I was going to take advantage. I was going to play a little guitar. I don't really like doing that when people are around. It's kind of loud, right? I get self-conscious, and I'll admit, right? So I was going to turn the brew game off, and I said, no, 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 no. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm going to put the game on my laptop, and I'm going to put the laptop in the corner so I can still see it, but I'm going to turn the sound off and work on some other things, right? And I'm glad I didn't turn it off, right? Because in the seventh inning, the Brewers got it going a little bit. Got a rally going. And it, and it came together slowly, and it was great theater, and it was great TV, so I'm glad I didn't turn the game off. And if you turn the game off, I'm not going to make you feel bad about it, but don't turn the game off in 2021 with this Brewers team. Don't turn the game off because, again, this team finds ways to win. And that's one of the best compliments you can give a sports team. If you say it about the Packers or the Vikings or the Bears or the Bucks, or if you're an MLS fan or you like competitive cricket, I don't care. One of the biggest compliments you can give any sports team is that they find ways to win. They just find ways to get it done. Whatever, whatever it takes, they can do whatever is needed. 
the team can do. Whoever needs to step up, steps up. They find ways to win. That's the Brewers, 100% in 2021. Saturday's game, we talked about, totally scrapped together base runners by any means necessary and then got one huge hit. This is how the eighth inning went, the Yelich Grand Slam inning. Urias reached first base on catcher's interference. Jace Peterson singled to left field. Jackie Bradley Jr. hit by pitch. Adamas popped out to shortstop. Wong hit by pitch. Yelich home run to center. That's not pretty. That's not sexy. That's not glamorous. That's just, hey, if the pitcher can't throw strikes, we're going we're gonna to stand in the box and just let him fall apart here. It's fine. If you want to hit me on the shoulder, okay. Catcher wants to reach in, get a catcher's interference call, okay. And we'll just wait for that big hit to eventually come. And it took seven and a half innings, but the big hit from Christian Yelich finally came. Sunday's game, Brewers won in a completely different way. Three of their seven runs were off homers. There was a triple, an RBI ground out, nice variety. Lots of different ways they scored runs on Sunday, but the home run a little bit more prevalent than Saturday or certainly last night. Last night's game, totally different recipe for both teams, for the Reds and the Brewers. And you don't see games like this very often in 2021. Last night's game, although the final score seven to four, oh, a lot of offense, high-powered offense with the Reds and the Brewers, but very unusual game for the way the baseball is played in 2021. The Brewers had seven singles throughout the course of the game. Three of them came in their big inning, the seventh. Three singles in one inning. You don't see that very much these days. The Reds had five singles throughout the course of the game, three in their fourth inning. So each team had an inning where they scored multiple runs, and in those innings, each team had three singles. You almost never see that in baseball today because it's about strikeouts and launch angle and exit velocity. You're trying to get the ball up, 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 up. Three singles in an inning at one point for both teams. Very rare. There was only one home run hit last night, and it was Colton Wong in the eighth inning, and that home run was nice insurance, but it didn't ultimately end up mattering, right? Because the Brewers going into the eighth were up five to four. After the bottom of the eighth, they were up seven to four, and they ended up winning seven to four. I'm not saying the home run didn't matter. It gave breathing room to Josh Hader, and I'll always take breathing room, especially against a team like the Reds, who can hit home runs. But the important scoring last night was done through a bunch of singles, stacking up singles in an inning. And you just don't see that a whole lot these days. It's not very common for baseball in 2021. The seventh inning last night for the Brewers was an absolute masterclass. Listen to this. Ready? This is how you draw it up. If you're like, hey, you're trailing late in the game and you need a rally, how does that look? This is what it looks like. Ready? Lorenzo Cain pinch hitting in the nine spot, singles to center. Or excuse me, he's hitting eighth, singles to center. Then Pena hitting for the pitcher, Strickland. Singles to center, Kane to second. Wong singles to left, which scores Kane, Pena to second. Jace Peterson walks, which loads the bases. Now you have Yelich, Garcia, and Narvaez coming up to the plate with nobody out. That's, talk about putting it on the tee, right? That, that's what you want. Load the bases, get ducks on the pond, and now you have your big bats coming up. That's it. That's, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's picture-perfect rally in the seventh inning when you're trailing by three runs. Then, Christian Yelich has a sack fly. Garcia has a sack fly. Narvaez gets the hit. The seventh inning last night for the Brewers, I say we don't get a whole lot of that in 2021. That was both classic old-school baseball and modern baseball put together because the base is loaded, and then you have Yelich, Garcia, and Narvaez. This is how it went. Yelich comes up, gets a sack fly, keeps the inning alive. Hands the bat to Avi Garcia with a chance at a big hit. Avi Garcia gets a sack fly, keeps the inning alive, passes the bat to Omar Narvaez with a chance to get a big hit, and then Narvaez gets the double, which puts the Brewers on top. Offensive rallies are a lot like 
search and destroy. You ever play Call of Duty, right? You only get one life. Once you're eliminated, you're out. One team's got to plant the bomb. The other has to defuse the bomb. Very high stakes. When you're playing search and destroy, the one goal of the game is just stay alive and extend the game. It's not to stack up kills, although that's fun. It's not to make highlight plays, although that's fun. You just, just stay alive. Just stay in the game. Keep the door open. Now, in baseball, if you can extend the inning while also knocking in some runs, if you can keep the door open for the next hitter and the next hitter while also scoring runs along the way, great, perfect, right? Modern logic in the way that numbers and analytics people play baseball these days, they say that strikeouts aren't bad because strikeouts keep runners on base and it provides an opportunity for the next hitter, right? Now, if you use that same logic, except you replace strikeouts with sack flies, even better. Christian Yelich, sack fly, scores a run. All right, now Garcia has a chance. Garcia hits a sack fly. Now Narvaez has a chance, and he gets the double. You just keep the inning going long enough. You keep the door open long enough, and you hope that at some point, one of the hitters is going to come through with a big hit. And Narvaez ultimately did. It was especially nice that along the way, Yelich and Garcia were able to steal some runs via the sack fly. Brewers had three runs via the sack fly last night. Another thing you don't see a whole lot of in 2021. Impressive offense last night, late in the game, to come back. Shout out to the pitching, too, both Corbin Burns and the bullpen. And they probably won't get talked enough about today because we're talking about Yelich and Wong, who had the late home run, and I I get that. But in order to have a comeback win, the pitching needs to keep the team in the game. Like, if the Reds would have gone up 7-1 to one or 8-9-1, or nine to one, well, then we're not talking about a comeback. But Corbin Burns and the rest of the bullpen handled their business enough and well enough to keep the game open, to keep an opportunity away from the offense for them to come back and score enough runs to win this game. Pitching probably won't get the credit that they deserve, right? We always think of the offense in, comes back, in comebacks, excuse me, but the pitching is just as important, if not more. Craig Council on his pitching performance from starter to closer last night. Yeah, no, that's, that's part of it. The bullpen's been, been really sharp and really effective. Um, and uh, they they all you know, you know I thought the game really was uh, was on you know Corbin struggled in that fourth inning and and um, you know he had a little trouble throwing strikes in that fourth inning and the pitch count was getting pretty hefty in that inning and you know just to come back and get the get the last two hitters you know there was you know one more guy gets on it's you know you're probably having to go to the bullpen that inning and and then he came back and threw two more innings um, so that was. To me, would kind of put the game back in order, you know, put our bullpen back in order a little bit. And even even though we didn't score up, you know, in Corbin's innings, um, him getting six innings was was a big factor in that game, I thought. Hunter Strickland keeping the Brewers in it, and then Williams and Hayter. It's amazing because as soon as the Brewers started scoring and the game was in hand once again, whether it was tied 4-4 and then the Brewers took the lead 5-4 after the Narvaez double and then the Wong home run, it's just like, okay, here we go. Switch is flipped. We go to Williams. He was great. We go to Hayter. He was great. There was no panic. There was no, oh, shoot, now I got to get up. Now I got to get ready. Nope. Very much in control. Business handled by the back end of the bullpen. And Corbin Burns, I know he gave up a couple of runs last night, but I think last night's performance from Corbin Burns is an example of, of A stuff. He had six innings pitched, seven hits, four runs, five strikeouts. He didn't have his best stuff. But he actually navigated through that fourth inning, considering that the bases were loaded with nobody out and the Reds only got three runs. And then he was able to come back out for the fifth and put up a zero. And he gave up a run in the sixth, but he was able to get the game into the seventh. So we didn't have to bring in Suter or some middle-of-the-road reliever, Josh Lindblom type. Corbin Burns deserves a little bit of credit. And Aces, 
even when they don't have their best stuff, do whatever they can to help the team win. Corbin Burns did that last night. It's pretty darn impressive. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the Packers. Devin Funches out, which makes the wide receiver group a lot easier to figure out. Let's talk with Mike Clements for just a couple of minutes. He can tell us what came to be in Green Bay today as that decision was made. We'll get back into the Brewers around 5 o'clock. A lot of Packers. We're going to hear from Kevin King today at some point as well. A lot more coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Going to switch gears into the Packers. We're going to hear from Kevin King, who gave quite the press conference. We're going to hear from him. Coming up at 5.30. More Brewers talk tonight before the end of the show as well. Right now, we're going to get connected with our Green and Gold reporter, Mike Clements. Uh, some headlines today. A couple of releases. Somebody to IR. Packers signed a couple players as well. So we're going to speak with our expert. Mike is on his way back to Milwaukee in the in the Clements Mobile after a, a long day of reporting. Mike, Devin Funches is on injured reserve. I did not expect this. What, what do we make of this? I know. And, you know, when we were talking on the show yesterday, I told a story about what happened at practice yesterday. So let's take this from the top now. Mm-hmm. Uh, off the top of my head, you got Devontae Adams. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scaling is, is listed on the Packers' official death chart as the number two guy. Anna Lazard, and then Randall Cobb. Then you got Amari Rogers, the draft pick, who, you know, has been kind of quiet the last week or two at camp. But I'm telling you, this is when when we they let us on the field to watch practice. Mm-hmm. There's a period or two where it's closed doors in the Hudson Center, and that's when they're running the fun stuff, you know, like the jet sweeps and all that yeah. that we don't see. But you figure they're going to put them in there. So then next is now you're getting to about the fifth or sixth or seventh wide receiver. Are they able to go that deep? So you had in there Malik Taylor, who was on the team last year and has done at a good camp, had some nice catches. You know, with his Kurt Benkert, the backup quarterback, the other day. Jawan Winfrey is a kid who uh, had a good camp, but now he's been on the sidelines injured. They could slip him to the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Equinemia St. Brown, the former draft pick, he came in that that class with MVS. He's been injured. Well, he's out there. He's still a great target, big hands, but he's 50-50 in terms of being available. And then last but not least, it's Devin Funches, who – you know, you saw on family night, I think he was in the Texans game, he's got some nice catches. I mean, he's he's almost like a more athletic version of MVS, not mm-hmm. quite as fast. But like I've been telling you all summer, Grant, you know, they brought this guy opted out last year, and they bring him in, and during OTAs, during mini camps, now during training camp, like every third or fourth day, he'll go out for a rep, look great, and then he's got to take a timeout and run over there, and a trainer goes down on the field with him because he's, you know, got hamstring cramps again. Sure. And so he's been on the sidelines again with hamstring. So I imagine that they got to some point where they just said, okay, if if you can't practice tomorrow, Thursday, and participate in this Bills game, and you know what? We're, we're good at wide receiver. Maybe it's just time that we move on. But here's the other thing. You know, Devin has – he has this uh, big showing at family night. And then afterwards we have that press conference mm-hmm. late on that Saturday night. And, you know, he dropped a poor choice of words and Asian slur describing somebody's, you know, eyes. Yeah. Uh, but he also went into that press conference where he talked about uh, his year off. 
and that he there was times where he thought maybe he was going to come back in football. And then he went into some discussion about his portfolio. He actually used the word portfolio of how he spent his time off working on various investments and businesses he's setting up. I'd never heard an active player, particularly one like post-game or an event yeah. at the podium, start to talk about his financial investments, and you're looking at each other like, is this guy really want to play football, right? And then the thing yesterday at practice, where we were outside and they were having a great practice, and Aaron Rodgers is just looking great. He's throwing darts. There was one ball that he threw to MVS that I told you about that Kevin King looked like a shortstop, jumped out there and deflected the ball, and everybody was applauding because Kevin was back from this hamstring, looked like he's ready to go and be considered you know, for a starting position. And then lightning came in, so they had to move us indoor. So now here's Rodgers and Devontae on the sideline scheming for the next drive on a particular play when they get in the red zone. These guys are all huddled. They're working hard. There's Devin Funches out with the hamstring again with his number 11 jersey and in shorts about 30 yards downfield playing air guitar to the music they're pumping inside the Hudson Center. Naturally. And, you know, I'm thinking, is that really Packer people? <laughs> and then and then what happens after that is after Kevin King gets done, gets done with a series, now he takes a rest. So there's defense on one side of the field inside the Hudson Center and offense in the white jerseys on the other. So I see Devin point to Kevin King and say, hey, you know, you're on here. Uh, every time offense has a good play, a positive play, you got to give me five push-ups. And if defense makes a play, then i got to give you five push-ups. So they're going back and forth. So then I'm thinking, okay, you know, most of these Packer people, like a Malik Taylor, they're quiet, their heads down, their, their nose are in the playbook, that kind of thing. Yeah. But maybe it's okay to have a – a 27-year-old veteran like Devin to sort of liven up the thing a little bit. And then the next day you're telling me they just put him on IR for the rest of the year. Mm. I mean, you know, it's like, you know what, Devin, shouldn't you be standing up here by Luke Getze or Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator, and standing and looking at the play from the rear? You know, don't you understand that when we're in practice here, this is game-like situation, up-tempo, and you're 30 yards down the field standing by yourself playing air guitar. That's not exactly what we're looking here for, buddy. So what do they do? You know, they can't bring him back. Um, if, if, if you are uh, on the 53 yeah. and at any time this season, if you, they put you on IR, they can bring you back. Mm -hmm. But if you're pre-53-man roster, when they put you on IR, you're done for the year. So maybe they just said, hey, look, we don't see the hamstring getting any better. We really need you to be in this Bills game Saturday. Uh, we're good at wide receiver. We move on. But yeah. um, you got to account those other things, don't you think? Well, yeah. In Mike, in about an hour, I'm, I'm planning to do a segment kind of talking about the cutting of Kamal Martin. I don't know. Yesterday we talked about the cutting of Sam Barrington. Like, the Packers have a way in which they go about things, and, and there's different ways to go about this. Like, to me, it seems that, the Packers, it's like, okay, yeah, Funches would have been great, but you're always banged up, and you bring up the personality, so I feel comfortable talking about it. Like, hey, it doesn't really match. Like, this isn't a Packers thing, right? And, and the Packers almost make moves with their personality, it seems. Like, I, I don't know. You you referenced the way that Gutekunst released Kamal Martin as it's similar to the way that Ted Thompson did it. They have a way of going about things. I also just think they really like Malik Taylor, and they want him on this roster, and Funches kind of stood in the way of that. They were either going to have to cut him, 
to make it work with Malik Taylor or put him on IR. I also just think they really like Malik Taylor. Is that a part of it? I think you're right. I think, I mean, this guy is earning his – and on top of that, he can help you out on special teams. I don't see Devin Funches running down the field on kick or punt coverage. Probably. So, you know, that's the next thing that makes the decision. Uh, I think that, you know, maybe there's still a chance that Equinina St. Brown can find a way in there or this Juwan Winfrey who has had started off with such a great camp. He'll be a practice squad guy and okay. Yeah. But you know what? It's just like, you know, Devin, if you don't really want to be here, then maybe it's time to move on. So they signed it. And they also brought in a couple of other guys. Let's see. Who was the uh, other receiver that they have uh, released? Chris, Number 16. Chris Blair. They released Chris Blair. Yeah. Yeah, Chris is, you know, a back-of-the-line guy, mm-hmm. trying hard, uh, released. Uh, and he's currently been injured, so he's been on the sidelines. Uh, so I un- understand that move. And then they're bringing in a defensive lineman and a defensive back that they want to get a look at here in a couple of weeks at camp, right? Abdullah Anderson, the defensive lineman, and Steven Denmark, the cornerback. Yes, Co- those are the A couple guys. of guys who spent time with <laughs> the Bears. Abdullah, it also, I think, would have been with the Vikings and then the Steelers. And the defensive back had been actually drafted by the Bears a couple of years ago. And I think he was had some time with the Browns and also the Steelers as well. Yeah, you know, there they are more guys that they want to rotate in there and see on, on defense and defensive line mm-hmm. and secondary in replacement. Because obviously they feel real good where they are right now yeah. at wide receiver. Both positions you need lots of depth at. I like defensive linemen and cornerback and, you know, they can find anything there, whatever. Otherwise, we got to cut down to 53. That's just kind of the nature of this time of year. Mike, I appreciate you being in Green Bay and connecting with us for a few minutes because I think we're all surprised by this Devin Funchess uh, being, I was going to say release. It's essentially a release for what it means. He's not going to play, but he's on the injured reserve, not injured list like in baseball, but injured reserve. So it was nice to talk to you and kind of get some of these little nuggets and details that kind of help it make sense. Yeah, my gut tells me it's also a send-the-message kind of roster move. Thanks, yeah. Grant. Yeah, have a good one, Mike. Appreciate the report. Mike Clements. Uh, on his way back from Green Bay. I, you know, it's, I'm glad that Mike said a couple of those things because at 520, I have in my notes, I wanted to do a segment about the Packers' personality and why they cut who they cut and why they cut them when they cut them. And I, I don't like speaking out of pocket. I don't like speaking on things I'm not like 100% in the know on. And a couple of the things that Mike just brought up, I think, speak to some of the things I want to talk about. So great. We have a little bit more ammo for discussions later on in the show. I want to talk about, well, more about the Packers, quarterbacks especially, and a couple of other NFL stories coming up. And Bears fans, a little bit more Justin Fields talk today because I just think this is really interesting. So Brewers, Packers, Bears, a little bit of everything all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name Grant Bills, Twitter at Wisco Grant, an emergency conference call with our guy Mike Clements as he's returning from Green Bay. Devin Funches on injured reserve, so he's out for the year. And you might be thinking, Grant, well, injured reserve, they can designate him as eligible to return, and he could come back later this season. <laughs> I thought so too, but I forgot. You need to be on the active 53 before then going on injured reserve to then be eligible to come off injured reserve. I don't really like how the NFL does injured reserve. Like, I like how baseball does it. I like how the NBA does it. Like, in baseball, if you go on the injured list, you can come back when you're healthy. Once you've sat out the 10 days or the 60 days or whatever, come back. 
as many times as you need to, as many players as you need to put on and, and come up. And I like that because why are we keeping good, healthy players stashed on the injured list if we don't have to? Like the NFL limits, I think you can only bring back two guys. You can only designate two guys to return from IR. Why are we limiting it? Save one team has a bunch of injuries and then they all get healthy. I want those guys on the field. That makes the product better. Why are we keeping good players stashed on the injured list or injured reserve? That bothers me. I don't know. Devin Funches, though, it just didn't seem like a fit. Seemed like the injuries were going to be a problem, which I think maybe tells us a couple of things about the Packers. I want to talk about that at 520. Was already planning on talking about that at 520, but then Devin Funches got cut. Mike Clemens gave us a couple of interesting nuggets, and I want to bring those back up. Talk about the Packers and their personality and the way in which they go about their business, especially this time of year. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I got a tweet from Zach in Wisconsin, Maytag Zag. Uh, or Maytag, Zach, excuse me. Because at the beginning of the show, I was talking about my night last night, and I, I whipped up some pasta. I didn't have a lot of food in the house. I actually did fairly well for myself, considering my pantry's pretty empty. Took some cherry tomatoes, some onions, some sm- not a lot of peppers, just a little bit. Sautéed in olive oil, and I, I said I was going to deglaze the pan with red wine, but I didn't have any red wine. And Zach tweets in and says, you would have used, or I, I, I guess I said white wine. And Zach says, you would have used white wine? Bro, robust. Red wine for tomatoes and peppers. That's what I would do. A couple of things. Number one, I always, I always connect red wine with the wintertime. And it's still summer, so I like lighter fare. Although, I typically, Zach, I affiliate white wine with, like, shrimp, lighter seafood, maybe scallops. Right? So you're not wrong. I just, the, the red wine is more of a winter thing for me. And also, I don't have any wine in my house. The idea that I have multiple options of drinking wine in my home, that's just absurd. Most of the time, I have a jug of Carlo Rossi on top of my fridge, and that's about it. That's about all I have to work with. But thank you for the tweet. We have a lot of culinary talk in the last week or so. Texts 608-796-2558. Mike in Monona says, got to wonder how much money Funch has potentially lost out by opting out last season and not having a career year with Rodgers throwing him the ball. It's an interesting question, isn't it? I got to think Devin Funches thinks about it. He sat out last year due to COVID. Could have been part of really good offense part of Aaron Rodgers MVP year and then he could have been chasing a new deal this year if he gets hurt this year whatever he's got a new deal he's got some more money I don't know it's a bummer for Devin Funches that he has to miss a year man if he would have played last year who knows maybe things would be a little bit different I don't know I don't know Binks just texts in and says Roger Dorn portfolio yeah Roger Dorn always worried about his retirement portfolio like Devin Funches which is maybe why the Packers wanted to move on there's the tease for the segment coming up at 520 I realized today Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show and it just wasn't doing it for me. He talked about Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris, training camp. And last year we played chunks of Pat McAfee interviews every week. He was on every Tuesday and it was great. We'd take the best parts and we'd listen to him on the show and we'd talk about it. I watched about 10 seconds of the interview today and turned it off. I I can't. Something I've realized, that NFC loss, NFC championship game loss in January, it was so offensive to me. Like, it tainted and ruined things. There are things that I normally love that I now no longer love. Like, if you've watched South Park, you know what I'm talking about. The episode where the Thompsons, the Thompsons, <laughs> come to visit Cartman, the people with butts for faces, and it's so funny that it breaks Cartman's sense of humor and he can't laugh. Guys, I think it, I think it broke my sense of humor, right? Like, that episode. I think that NFC Championship game just broke my Packers fandom. Because now I see things that I'd normally be interested in, and I'd be like, okay, you like Steven Seagal as a kid? Awesome. 
lose in another NFC Championship game. Why don't you? Like, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of over it. And once the regular season starts and we have real football to talk about, I think it'll be different. But this is zero interest in this. And the most damning part of this is it could have been free content for my show. I could have cut up some of these highlights and saved myself 15 minutes of work. It was one less segment I would have had to put together. But no thanks. Not for me. Very, very frustrated with the Packers these days. By the way, if you missed the transactions, there were a few other than Devin Funches going on IR. They brought in Abdullah Anderson, not Amir Abdullah, which easy to confuse, defensive lineman. Cornerback Steven Denmark, who I read this press release thinking he was a player from Denmark before I realized, no, that's his name. Nice, Grant. And also released wide receiver Chris Blair, who kind of sounds like the bass player in a band, not Foreigner, but a band akin to Foreigner, like Firehouse maybe. Probably actually like hardcore rock and roll fans who heard that comparison and are now offended that I would compare the two, but I don't know. Chris Blair does not sound like a wide receiver. Sounds like a bass player in a late 70s, 80s rock band. Firehouse is some good songs though. They're not Foreigner, but (laughs) who is? There you go. There's your Packers updates for what it's worth if you care. Devin Funch is going on IR, I think is probably the only transaction that it's going to end up mattering because now we probably have uh, Malik Taylor. I almost said Malik Turner because he's been a player too. Malik Taylor will probably be the sixth wide receiver. I'd assume the wide receiving core is now going to be Adams, Cobb, Lazard, MVS, Rodgers, and Malik Taylor. I think that's probably it. What about you? I'm, I'm kind of over Equinemia St. Brown. I don't know. He had some time to prove himself. He just hasn't shown me much outside of a player too. So I think the Packers will probably want to move on. And they probably will. I was thinking a little bit today and reading a little bit about the Rams, another NFC team that the Packers might have to contend with. Normally, we think of the Seahawks and the Niners as the NFC West big division, you know, conference opponents. But the Rams did something today that I just, I don't know. I just kind of hate the Rams and what they do. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's smart football. They traded a fourth rounder for Sony Michelle. To be specific, they actually traded a sixth rounder and a fifth rounder that convert to a fourth rounder when the Rams get a fourth round comp pick, which they will. So basically a fourth round pick for two years of Sony Michelle. Well, a year in Sony Michelle's fifth round option is a first round pick. So Cam Akers gets hurt. I get it. You're lacking running back depth, but trading a fourth rounder for a rather uninspiring running back with bad knees. I don't, I don't know. The Rams are the guy who joins his friends at the party two hours late because he had to work later, and everybody else is already having a good time, had a couple of drinks, so this guy's got to play catch-up. So he immediately gets two shots, downs them, and then when he doesn't feel anything, he immediately takes two more, and then it all hits him at once, and he's on the floor, and he feels sick. That's what the Rams are doing. They're like, oh, we made a Super Bowl, but now we suck. Let's trade a bunch of first-rounders for Matt Stafford, who still is probably the third-best quarterback in the division. Might be the fourth if Trey Lance turns out to be good. Oh, that might not be good enough. Cam Akers got hurt. Let's trade another draft pick for Sony Michelle of all players. Like, it's the 2017 Minnesota Vikings all over again. The Vikings went to an NFC title game on the heels of an elite defense, which benefited from good health and turnover luck, which good defenses always do. I mean, that's not a slight to the Vikings. If you have a good defense for a year, it means you probably stayed healthy and you got really lucky with turnovers. That's not anti-Vikings. That's just reality. So the Vikings rode that defense in Case Keenum, who had a great year, to an NFC title game. And then at the end of the year, they said, okay, we have great defense. We have great weapons. We just need a better quarterback. Let's upgrade a quarterback. So they did with Kirk Cousins. But the reality was never going to be the same as it was in 2017. The defense wasn't going to continue to stay healthy. 
Everson Griffin dealt with injuries, then Daniil Hunter, Eric Kendricks, and, and Barr. Barr's banged up again this year like they dealt with injury bad luck. They got old. Xavier Rhodes got old. So the defense started to drop off as defense does because it's not stable from year to year like other elements of football are, like offense or play calling or things like that, right? Running the football or, or, or scheme. Those things can stay relatively consistent. Defense ebbs and flows for lots of reasons, right? Health and then, of course, turnover luck. The Vikings hadn't been turning the ball over like they were in 2017. So the rest of the team regressed. Kirk Cousins was an improvement over Case Keenum, but it's not like a huge improvement. I think the same thing is going to happen with the Rams. The defense will all of a sudden not be as healthy. They won't get the turnover luck. And then, yeah, they have a marginal improvement at quarterback, but is that really going to get them to where they need to go? Probably not. And trading for Sony Michelle with a fourth-round pick, I think, is just another example of that. They're the guy who gets to the party late, and then they feel like they need to catch up, and then when they don't feel drunk right away, they start hammering liquor, and then before you know it, it all catches up with them, and they're on the floor. That's what I think is ultimately going to happen to the Rams. I don't like anything they've done this year. I'm just not a fan. Aaron in Janesville texts in, you are correct, Grant. Well, <laughs> say the magic words. Turn me on a little more. It says, NFL IR is silly rules. Also, it's injured reserves, not injured shelving. You're sp- yes, you're supposed to be able to draw from a reserve. It's frustrating the NFL makes it hard for their teams to field the best product possible. It also uh, makes me upset that uh, sometimes the NFL... Or excuse me, it also, oh, I gotcha. It also irritates me that the NFL is still top dog. And Will uh, William Seagal on Mad TV was the best. Steven Seagal on Mad TV was the best. Have a great day. Thank you, Aaron. Sorry, working through a typo or two there. Not ripping you. I have typos all over the place when I'm reading it on the radio. It just, I have a tendency to jump over my words. Yes, it's injured reserve, not injured shelving. You're exactly right, Aaron. I think when guys are healthy, you should be able to bring them back. Why are we, why are we keeping good players that are healthy and able to play on the injured list just because. That's it's dumb. If they're healthy, bring them back. It's good for everybody. Benefits everyone. Harms no one. To quote our, our old-ass president. Harms no one. Benefits everyone. Benefits fantasy football. Benefits betters. Benefits teams. Benefits fans. Benefit TV because the game's more interesting. Change the IR rules. They're dumb. You only get two guys to bring back. That's stupid. You should be able to bring everybody back when they're healthy. That's how it should work. You're healthy. You should play. That's good for everybody. Benefits everyone. I want to talk about the Bears because I got into an argument with one of my best friends. He's a Bears fan. That was this morning. And I told him, this is actually kind of interesting. I'm going to bring it up on the show tonight. He bet an over-under on the Bears. And the number seems obvious. And then I thought about it a little bit more. I'm like, hmm, maybe this is interesting. And it tells us a couple of interesting things about the Bears. So we'll talk about that next. Going to get into the Brewers and then back into the Packers before too long as well. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are getting ready to face the Buffalo Bills Saturday in their final preseason game. Now, yesterday, the team released nose tackle Josh Avery to meet the league's 80-man roster deadline. They also placed safety and special teams guy Will Redmond on IR, done for the season. He started in the game against the Jets but suffered a severe toe injury. I asked Matt LaFleur about the 27-year-old Redmond's contributions to the team. Will is a versatile guy. Certainly, he's got the ability to play in the box when we go into dime 
or play as a deep safety. You know, he's got the corner background, so he can get you out of the game there, too. And then just his contribution on special teams is he's, he's been consistently our best special teamer. Over the, over the course of two years here. That opens the door for number 38, Ennis Gaines, an undrafted safety out of TCU, who says he's learned a lot being in camp with Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, and Darnell Savage. Competition is great. Uh, every day makes you bring out the best in you, so obviously learning from Jair, Smash, and Savage every day, getting little bits and pieces from them, and then add it to my game, and then stay focused every day, trying to make myself better. Whatever happens is going to happen, so it's like, as long as I do my job right every day, that's, that's all I can control. Packers GM Brian Goodikinst. This preseason, you know, our young guys have had a ton of opportunity. They've gotten a ton of snaps, and this this game in Buffalo is going to be very, very important, and they're going to get a lot of snaps. So sometimes you never know which where that's going to come from. Maybe it's on special teams. Uh, maybe it's somewhere else, but um, there's always guys in that last preseason game that make a name for themselves. Best Packers coverage. Mike Clements was in Green Bay today, now on his way back. How nice would it be to live in Milwaukee? Just 10 minutes to American Family Field. It's a quick hour to Green Bay, and then you could complain about the drive to Green Bay like it's long, and then the rest of the state can look at you like, what the hell is your deal? Shut up. It'd be great. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you, Mike. Another report from him right before 6 o'clock. I want to talk about the Packers and the personality of their front office. Because I think you look at some of the moves they've made, the cuts or putting Funches on injured reserve today. I don't know. I think there's a personality behind the moves that are made. And I thought I was going to be speaking out of pocket and just kind of taking a guess and just my opinion. But then Mike Clements gave us a couple of nuggets back at 420 and I'm like, "Mm, okay, yep, I think I'm onto something here. We're going to talk about that in about a half hour. Brewers coming up in about five minutes. I got in a fight with my uh, good, good buddy who's on the show from time to time, Ryan Giannone, who works for the Northwoods League, does some stuff for our CBS affiliate in town, and he's just a funny dude. I used to do a lot of podcasting with him. So sometimes when there's a baseball topic, played collegiate baseball, like when we were talking about Hero or Yelich, have him on to talk about kind of the logistics of a baseball slump or stuff like that. He's been on the show a couple of times. And I got in a fight with him earlier today because he told me he bet his friend, not me, but somebody else, that the Bears would win more than six games. So essentially his buddy's like over under six and a half, you know, and Ryan's like, oh, smash the over with the Bears. Absolutely. Give me the over, right? Bears will, you know, clear six games. And I was listening. He was telling me about this. I'm like, all right, yeah, I, yeah, I think they should. Their Bears are a half-decent team. They should be able to clear six wins. Then I thought about it a little bit more. I'm like, mm, mm, mm. maybe. This isn't an anti-Bears thing because when you say the Bears won't win six games or won't win seven, technically, because the bet's over six, they go, oh, my God. Bears are better than that. First of all, anytime that you think that an over is easy, don't. Because overs are never easy, right? Oh, they'll clear that easy. Oh, an over, that's easy. That's free money. Sports are chaotic, okay? And just about every type of chaos benefits the under. If there's a tie, that helps the under. If there's injuries, it helps the under. If other teams turns out to be really good, it benefits the under. If there's COVID, benefits the under, Right? Bad kicking, which the Bears have been known to suffer from from time to time, benefits the under. All goes to the under, which is why betting unders is a safer bet. Now, sometimes lines are so jacked up, right? It does make sense to bet the over. But nine times out of ten, the under is typically the more prudent bet. It might not be the most fun, but just ask anybody who's bet the over on the Falcons the last couple of years, right? Betting overs always isn't the most fun thing either. 
So clearing six wins. So can the Bears win seven games? Well, first of all, they got two games against Detroit. I'm just assuming they're going to win those two games. They should win both of those games. Okay, those are two as free of two wins as you're going to get. So now they only have to win four games. And here's their schedule. By the way, the Bears have the hardest schedule in football, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, or FPI, or whatever it is, for what it's worth. You might believe in that. You might not. It's a good schedule. They visit the Rams week one. They host the Bengals week two. They go to Cleveland, to Vegas, Green Bay, Tampa, San Fran, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Arizona, Green Bay, Minnesota, Seattle, New York, Minnesota. I'll show my hand a little bit on this. I think the Vikings are going to be good. I don't think they're going to be pretty good. I don't think they're going to be great, but I think the Vikings are going to be good. They're going to be better than last year. I don't think the Bears will beat the Vikings this year. Certainly not at U.S. Bank. Maybe at home. I don't think they'll beat the Seahawks in Seattle. I don't think they'll beat Green Bay. I don't think they'll beat Baltimore, Pittsburgh, San Fran, Tampa, or Cleveland. So now the Bears have to get four wins between the Bengals, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Vikings, the Vikings, the Giants. I don't know. Like, I like the Bears. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be an exciting team with some young talent, but I don't like their secondary. I don't, like, they have Allen Robinson. It depends on what you think of Darnell Mooney, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet. Cole Komet, I don't, do we like Cole Komet? I don't know. And what do you think of Matt Nagy? And what do you think of their organizational trajectory? Like, how how all out are they going to go into win games this year? Because I think there's a universe in which, you know, they come out slow. I mean, there's they could start one and two very easily. L.A., the Bengals, and Cleveland easily could start one and two, and they start thinking, okay, what's in our best interest this year, right? I don't know. If you're betting the Bears over-under, and I should check the DraftKings number because this is just a number that one of our friends arbitrarily threw out if the Bears can go over six and a half or not. I don't know. Bears got a tough schedule. A really tough schedule. I was just thinking about that a little bit today. I don't know if Justin Fields right away gives them a better chance to win than Andy Dalton, especially Sunday night football against the Rams week one. I don't know. They should start Andy Dalton week two against the Bengals because you get the Andy Dalton revenge game. You get that dynamic going. I think Andy Dalton's undefeated. Absolutely. You got to play him in his revenge game against the Bengals. So that means Justin Fields not until week three, and week three is at Cleveland. That's a tough matchup. I think the I think the Browns are going to be really good this year. I think there's a universe in which the Browns were the second-best team in the AFC this year. We'll have to see. I want to get back into the Brewers. We're going to hear from Kevin King. We're going to talk about the personality of the Packers' front office because I definitely think there's a personality there. We have plenty of little bits of evidence to build that case on. First, a sports update with our buddy Zach Heilprin. Wisco Sports Show back after this. I don't know who's calling. I don't have the name on the caller ID. You, like, stop. Like, I can't take your... I'm on the phone with Zach. Stop calling. I don't... I, I will take your call after this interview. Sorry if I'm sounding Are frustrated. Okay, no, I'm not okay. okay. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I can't stop paying attention to the story about the guy who's suing Nirvana, the baby who was on the album cover for Nevermind, the naked one in the pool. Child sexual exploitation. It's got to be a fascinating lawsuit. I love legal dramas. Big Better Call Saul guy. 
And anytime there's a lawyer involved, it makes me feel smarter. I'm not getting smarter, but I feel like I'm getting smarter. I think it's the same reason I like watching House. I feel like a doctor. I'm absolutely, obviously, obviously not a doctor. So this guy who was on the cover of Nevermind, Naked as a Baby, you can see his wang. He's suing Nirvana. I just wonder, because still, I believe in my parents' house, in the basement bathroom, there's naked baby pictures of me and my two siblings. Like, obviously, that's not being sold. It's not being exploited, but we have company over, and there's bathroom overflow. We got to send the company downstairs. They're seeing my butt. There's no there's no frontal shot, but it's, I mean, there's, there's ass. There's cheeks. I don't know. I Maybe I was exploited, mom and dad. I'm not going to sue, but maybe we should at least talk about it. Anyway, sports. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line, 608-796-2558. Earlier on in the show, I hinted that I was making dinner last night, and I was going to deglaze the pan with some white wine. I was searing cherry tomatoes, peppers, and onions to be used in pasta sauce. And Zach and Wisco was like, dude, you red. What are you talking about? Tomatoes, peppers, you need something robust with a fuller body, maybe an oaky um, backing to it. My words, not Zach. I'm embellishing here. I don't have a cellar full of wine. I, If anything, I have a jug of Carlo Rossi on top of my fridge. I don't even keep it cold. Are you supposed to refrigerate wine? I, I don't know. Is that an Italian thing? I'm not sure. Always winter, never baseball tweets. I have boxes of most varieties in my cellar. That's the thing. For me, like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you reach a point in your life where wine becomes a treat where you don't drink an entire bag of it with a group of friends, Right. You reach a point where it's like, hey, we have a bottle. Let's have a glass of wine before bed, honey, and let's watch an episode of Roseanne. I don't know. Whatever whatever adults watch before they go to bed, watch an episode. I I haven't reached that point yet. I don't, I don't have a cellar full of wine. I'm not strapped with lots of different flavors and varieties. In fact, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a wine guy. Duck and Holman Texan says, Better Call Saul. Excellent show. Duck, I might venture so far as to say that it's just as good, if maybe not better, than Breaking Bad. It moves slowly. So if you're expecting it to take off and there to be a drug shootout over a meth war in the first three episodes, that ain't going to happen. But an excellent show. Bob Odenkirk is just awesome. Yeah, Better Call Saul's great. I love a good legal drama. Makes me feel smarter. I'm not getting smarter, but I feel smarter. Jeff in lacrosse says third hardest schedule percentage point-wise for the Bears. I'm saying nine wins if they have any decent offensive line play. Offensive line is going to be big. It depends on what metric you use. Like, I referenced some stat from ESPN I saw on GetUp this morning. I think they called it football power index or whatever, FPI. I'm sure that's some combination of winning percentage last year and home and away. Whatever. I don't know. Either way, Bears have a tough schedule. They have a stretch in the middle of their season where they have to go to Vegas, at home against Green Bay, to Tampa, at home against San Fran, at Pittsburgh, and then host Baltimore. That's a tough stretch. And before that stretch, they got to go to the Rams and to Cleveland. Brutal. And if the Vikings turn out to be any good, which I think they will be, they got two dates with the Vikings and a date with Seattle in three of the final four games. Sheesh. And that's after visiting Lambeau Field. And that's a Sunday night game, too. Bears got a tough schedule. I'm not saying they won't win games. I'm just saying I was talking with my buddy this morning who's a Bears fan about the potential over-under bet of six and a half. And he was treating it like a slam dunk. And at first, I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll win more than six games. But I don't know. The bet to the under is always the safer bet to make because sports, I I said this earlier, this is probably an oversimplification. If you talk to people who actually work in sports betting, they could probably frame it a little bit better than this. But sports, full of chaos. 
There's a lot of things that can go wrong, a lot of surprises. And all of the chaos, the surprises, the things that, that come up that's unexpected, 99% of those factors lend towards betting the under. Now, it's not as fun to bet the under, but I think it's the more prudent decision in a lot of terms. It depends on the line. It depends on the numbers all the time. 608-796-2558. Got a comment about the Reds bullpen, a couple about the Brewers. Let's talk about the Brewers a little bit because they played an awesome game last night. And if it weren't for that comeback against the Cardinals last week, I'd say that last night was one of the best games of the season. But it probably isn't even the best game of the last seven days, seven or eight days. Probably think about the Cardinals comeback uh, and the bunting and extra innings. And was that last Wednesday night? I can't remember. There was a night where I went out on the town last week, and I absolutely shouldn't have. I think it was Wednesday night. And that's when the Brewers came back and won. So was it a week ago today? I think it must have been uh, that game against the Cardinals where they came back in extras and scored a couple of runs, and it was great. Last night was an amazing game. It probably wasn't even the best game of the week. I almost turned it off because I wanted to do some other things. I had a night in last night. It was great. It was great. I was like, hey, Tuesday night, it's going to be my night. Tuesday night's about me. I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to make a nice hearty meal. I'm not going to spend any money. I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to drink any alcohol. I'm not going to make any poor decisions. I'm going to park myself on the couch, watch the brewers in the peace and quiet. Although my neighbors were yelling last night. There was someone up on the balcony. I don't know if there was a disturbance between a couple. Maybe it was an argument of passion. I don't know. They were rowdy. Not to put my neighbors on blast. Hey, do what you want. It's your business. But I could hear you and my window was closed. So just so you know, we could hear. It's your yard. Do what you want. But I... Come on, it's getting kind of late. I don't have small kids, but if I did, very upsetting. Wouldn't have liked that. Anyways, I was watching the game on the couch, and at some point I was like, oh, I want to work on some other things, some other things I want to get done before I go to bed. So I was going to turn the game off, and I'm like, no, 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 no. here's what I'm going to do. Leave the game on my laptop. I'm going to turn the TV off, and I'll just mute my laptop, and I'll work on other things. I wanted to play a little guitar. Sometimes I like doing that if I have a night to myself in the house, go in the other room, play a little guitar. And I left the game on my laptop, and the seventh inning rolled around, and things started to get interesting Hmm. a couple ducks on the pond here they were down three runs but got it going and then they ultimately came back to win so I was able to glad I didn't turn it off Binksy you text in and I've been there he says yeah shame on me I turned it off the only way the Brewers can succeed in the postseason is to stay healthy hey amen I agree you turn the game off and we're all guilty of it do you want do you want to get closer as a community Do you want me to share something really honest with you a moment of vulnerability here that should bring us all closer together I did not see the Aaron Rodgers, Richard Rodgers, Hail Mary live. I saw it the next morning. I went to bed. I don't tell a lot of people that. I think I, I don't even know if I've told my parents. I think I've told friends, any significant others. That's something I keep pretty close. I'm pretty ashamed of that. So the fact that I'm bringing that to live air here, this is going to be in the podcast. It's going to be saved forever. I did not see the Aaron Rodgers to Richard Rodgers, Hail Mary live. I went to bed. I was so ticked off. I was like, this game's stupid. And it was stupid. The Packers shouldn't have won that game. That was a terrible game for the Packers. Now Aaron Rodgers made a brilliant play, and it was saved and great. That team was still really flawed, and I was ticked. And I went to bed, and I woke up the next morning. I'm like, oh, you gotta be, got to be kidding me. Oh, God. I missed it. So, Banks, you could have you missed worse things. You could have missed the miracle in Motown. You missed a regular season Brewer game. I think the last week or so has been a great example of the Brewers and the way in which they just find ways to win. Because in the last couple of days, you could just pick a handful of games. They won in different ways. Saturday, they just scrapped together base runners, right? Leading up to that Christian Yelich grand slam in the eighth inning, or was that in the seventh? Let me pull it up here. The eighth inning. This is how it went. Urias reached first on catcher's interference. Jace Peterson singles. Jackie Bradley Jr. is hit by a pitch. Willie Adamas pops up. 
Colton Wong's hit by a pitch, and then Christian Yelich hits a ding-bomb grand slam to center field. Just any way on. Just scrappy baseball. Get on base by any means necessary. And then Sunday's game, they have three of their seven runs off homers. They get a triple from Colton Wong. They get an RBI ground out. Like, nice variety. A lot of different ways they brought runs home. Last night's game, very different recipe for both teams. And this is an outlier game in 2021. You don't see this a whole lot. Brewers had seven singles, which is a ton. Reds had five. And each one of these teams had a big inning. They both had a three-run inning at one point in the game. The Reds came in the fourth. The Brewers came in the seventh where they had four runs. The Brewers had three singles in the seventh. The Reds had three singles in the fourth. You never see innings where a team has three singles. Typically, it's a walk, a hit, home run, a boop, and a blast. That's typically what you see, right? You don't see single, 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 single. It's just not how baseball works anymore. That's not how the game is played. That's not how it's coached. Much to the chagrin of, of a lot of you, I know, because you complain about it. You prefer the small ball. Last night was a game for you. Only one home run in last night's game, and it ultimately, at the very end, turned out to be a non-factor. The seventh inning last night was a master class in how to have a rally late game. Let's say you're down three runs, seventh inning, and you're like, all right, Grant, the Brewers need to get it done here. How, how, what's their best path to coming back and winning? I would have drawn it up just like this. This is perfect. Lorenzo Cain hitting in the eighth spot, single. Manny Pena, pinch hits for Strickland, single. Colton Wong comes up, single, which scores a run. Jace Peterson comes up, walks, bases, juiced. Ducks on the pond. And now you got Yelich, Garcia, Narvaez all coming up. Your 2-3-4 hitter, I guess your 3-4-5 last night because Peterson was in there somehow. You got your 3-4-5 hitter with nobody out, bases juiced. Mwah! Perfect. That's how you put it on the tee for a rally in the seventh inning. Bringing in runs. Now, one might watch this inning that included three singles, and you might think, ah, take that, analytics nerds. Take launch angle and shove it up your rear end. Right, small ball, sack flies. Well, I think the seventh inning last night is so interesting and it was so fun to watch because it was a mix of classic old school baseball and some ideas that come from modern baseball in 2020, 2021, which a lot of you hate. I, I have a love-hate with it. Let me explain, okay? So, base is loaded. Christian Yelich comes up, sack fly. Keeps the inning alive. Now gives Avi Garcia a chance at the big hit. Pass it on to Avi. Avi Garcia gets a sack fly. Keeps the inning alive. Leaves the door open for the next hitter to get the big hit. And then Narvaez comes up, gets the double, the go-ahead RBI. Right? In today's version of baseball, whatever you want to call it, the home run, the dead ball era, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's called. The era in which we obsess over launch angle and hitting home runs and strikeouts aren't that bad. Right? The idea is you just get enough cracks at the apple, and at some point somebody will get a big hit. So strikeout, okay. At least it's not a double play. All right? Offensive rallies in 2021 and in baseball, a lot like search and destroy if you ever played Call of Duty. The whole goal of the game is to just stay in the game. Just keep going, right? Keep the door open, keep the rally going, and keep the door cracked open so you hope at some point somebody's going to come through with the big hit. And last night, the Brewers did that, right? Yelich and Garcia keeping that inning going, passing it on to the next hitter. All right, you see if you can get a hit. See if you can get a hit. But instead of strikeouts, sack flies. So they're scoring runs while they're doing it. That's why it's so beautiful. You have this... This launch angle idea of just put the ball in the air, get one home through a sack fly, and then you pass the mantle to the next hitter. And at some point, the chances say somebody will get a big hit. And of course, with two outs, Omar Narvaez did. Beautiful. Poetry in motion. It was great. Right? Modern baseball logic says strikeouts aren't that bad because it keeps runners on base for the next hitter. Right? Gives another opportunity, another opportunity. 
Well, last night that logic was on display, except strikeouts, sack flies instead. It was great because you're scoring runs in the process. Brewers had three sack flies last night. The, the pop fly, sack fly that Avi Garcia had in the first inning, I my jaw was on the floor. I was just starting to make my pasta. I was heating up my water. And Avi Garcia jacks this one straight into the sky. I'm like, oh, my God. It took forever to come down. Three sacrifice flies, something else you don't really see a whole lot of in modern baseball. Shout out to the pitching for the Brewers last night because in big comeback wins like that, you typically focus on the offense. Oh, good job offense. Scoring four late runs in the seventh and then two more on a home run in the eighth. Good job offense for leading the comeback. And that's true. The Brewers wouldn't have won without those runs last night, but they also wouldn't have won last night if their pitching wasn't able to hold on, keep him in the game. That started with Hunter Strickland and then Devin Williams and then Josh Hader nailing it down at the end. Pitching never gets the credit that it deserves typically in a comeback. This is Craig Council talking about not only Burns, but the rest of the pitching staff that was able to make the comeback possible last night. Yeah, no, that's, that's part of it. The bullpen's been been really sharp and really effective. Um, and uh, they they all, you know, you know, I thought the game really was, uh, was on, you know, Corbin struggled in that fourth inning. And, and um, you know, he had a little trouble throwing strikes in that fourth inning. And the pitch count was getting pretty hefty in that inning. And, you know, just to come back and get the get the last two hitters, you know, there was, you know, one more guy gets on. It's, you know, you're probably having to go to the bullpen that inning. And, and then he came back and threw two more innings. Um, so that was, to me, what kind of put the game back in order, you know, put our bullpen back in order a little bit. And even, even though we didn't score up, you know, Quentin Corbin's innings, um, him getting six innings was, was a big factor in that game, I thought. Corbin Burns wasn't spectacular last night. I think he had seven hits, six innings, four earned runs. But he did enough, and he gutted through it. And that's what we've talked about all season long. Aces, even when they don't have their best stuff, they're expected to at least battle through it and give you a half-decent effort. This fourth inning was a nightmare for Corbin Burns. Lead-off walk, single, walk, and then single, single, sack fly, strikeout, ground out. Like, he battled. He only gave up three runs. Bases loaded nobody out. If you only give up three runs, I mean, in the fourth inning, the game's the game in the ninth, that's, that's different. In the eighth, that's different. But if you're able to get through the inning and then come back out for the fifth and get through it and then come out for the sixth and he gave up one run, but you got through six innings and you gave your offense a chance and you gave your bullpen a chance, your pitching staff, to not completely throw the game plan out the window in the fourth or the fifth, which at one point it might look like, oh, it's Craig got to come get got to come get Corbin Burns in the fourth inning? Like, no, he's able to get through four, five, and six, even though it wasn't pretty, and the offense picked him up, which hasn't always been the case for Corbin Burns this year, which was nice to see. I'm sure he appreciated that. He might have made his best pitch of the year last year against Tucker Barnhart. 100-mile-an-hour cup fastball, just whoop, right on the inside corner. Cy Young stuff. Cy Young type of pitch. 608-796-2558. Uh, this text says, and I don't have your name, so if you would like to... Uh, like to follow up I can call you out uh, you can give me a name or nickname he says why does council start his answers with Yano? I don't know it's a nervous tick if you uh yeah I don't know he always starts to typically yeah uh a lot of that in his press conference I typically edit the audio to clean up some of that so it's not as painful to listen to Kurt texts in and says Brewers have won 34 games from behind this season yeah that's really impressive Ideally, score earlier and not need to come from behind so often. But that just shows the bullpen and the latter part of the pitching staff do a good job hanging on, giving the offense time to catch up and score runs to come from behind. Bob says your neighbors were probably out on the balcony yelling at you to quit playing the guitar. No, Bob, because I heard there was a disturbance, I got a little bit spooked. I was like, oh, 
somebody's upset. I don't want to play guitar too loud. So I was, I made a very conscious effort to keep the volume low. I'm very considerate. I shut the windows, made sure the sound wasn't getting out. Although it was pretty good sound. I mean, I was kind of dealing last night. I was kind of shredding a little bit, Bob, between you and me. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. I want to get into the Packers. Now, I'll still take your comments on the Brewers if you want to chime in. But we are going to switch to the Packers coming up next. Because I think the Packers have a little bit of they have a personality to them. The, the front office has a personality, which how can the front, the front office is, it's not even a person, it's not a thing, it's just it's this idea. It does have a personality. I want to talk about that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show I feel like a total schmuck and I need to apologize to all of you pull back the curtain in the studio here I have two computer monitors in front of me and the phone is in the middle of the second one and for the last 20 minutes I had another window kind of covering up the phone which is on the screen it was Mike Clemens audio this little window which I used to play his updates and I didn't realize but some of you were trying to call in and I thought that it would buzz me I thought that it would show up and it hasn't so I apologize sincerely because it looks like Big Joe. I'm sorry you tweeted at me. Try calling. I feel terrible. I apologize for not getting. I didn't. I didn't see him. That's my bad. So go ahead, give me a call. 608-796-2558. David Monona, did I ignore your call up until this point? And if so, Dave, I'm sorry. Dave, is this you? Grant, is it? Am I on the air, Grant? Yes, you are. I'm sorry. I thought you were. Hey, I thought you were Dave. Is, my bad. Nope. This is this is Zach and Wisco, aka the Maytag man. Oh, Zach, good to hear from you. And I, I'm, I'm not going to say your, I'm, I'm glad I'm you're not Dave, guy. but yes, a little bit upgrade from Dave. I'm, nice to hear from you. <laughs> I'm your I'm your stat guy. I, I've texted you or, or uh, tweeted at you a bunch of stats, and this one I, I I want to call in and talk to you about because you struck a nerve mm. in a good way. Good. Oh, in a, good, in a good. very good way. Your modern analytics to ruining baseball <laughs> is absolutely one hundred percent on point. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a year, Grant. I'm gonna give you 1994. You know what happened in 1994? Was that the strike year in Major League Baseball? Uh, it was the year after. Uh, was it the strike year? I think it might have been. Yes, it was the strike year. Okay. But something but else happened. But it's also happened. the closest. Yeah. It's also the closest anybody has been to hitting 400. Okay. Since Ted Williams, it, it was the year it was Larry Walker, and and uh, Tony Gwynn. I'm pulling it up right uh, now. Both were in the chase for 400. And Tony Gwynn had 19 strikeouts that year. Did you know that? Uh, I do now. I'm looking at it. That's 14 strikeouts all year. Yeah, that's a different era for sure. That's not 2020, 2021. I mean, we're we're talking we're talking about strikeouts. You know, Major League Baseball today. Oh, strikeouts aren't bad. No, mm-hmm. getting on base, moving runners around. I mean, and and in the 90s, that was the power era too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had Mark McGuire. You know, he wasn't too far off from hitting. Mm-hmm. 48 home runs in, you know, 1989. I mean, this, there has been some, some, a, a serious shift in baseball. And unfortunately, I think it's, it's made it very difficult to watch. 
I think the, game. yeah, I think the worst baseball games, like take the worst game. I think the worst version of today's baseball is really crummy because nothing happens. It's a lot of strikeouts, which is fun for pitching, but you need reprieve from that. You need hits too. I think the best version of today's game, the most exciting games, is great because the team can be down four runs and they can make that up in an inning like nothing because everyone hits for power and can drive in runs. I, I I don't disagree with you though. I think way too many strikeouts, a lot of home runs, and sometimes some of these home runs like they don't really matter, and I don't get that excited about them. So I don't disagree with you completely. You're not wrong. I I think the the Billy Bean Moneyball taken to the nth degree like it has mm-hmm. is really making it unwatchable. I mean, I like what Billy Bean did. You know, hey, let's get guys that you know, perform at this particular time of the year and plug them in and then into this slot, which was fantastic. But now that, you know, you have a lot of these guys that are taking the analytics almost too far and it's, you know, watching teams struggle, you know, they're, they're just doing nothing but striking out. It's, you know, it, it makes, makes uh, pitcher stat lines really nice, but mm-hmm. man, it is, it, it is a really tough-to-watch game. Yeah. I feel like it was worse in May and in April, and hitters have kind of gotten it going, and I feel like we've settled into the season, which typically happens in baseball. Pitchers are typically a little bit more dominant at the beginning, but I don't know. I, I don't disagree with you. I love comparing when you see one type of Brewer game, talking about what's modern and what's old school, and then the next day you can get a completely different game, which I think is why the last few days have been so interesting, but I don't disagree with you, and I'm glad you called. You need to call more. You're always on Twitter, but I'm sure you're a busy man. you got a lot going I, on. It's- I, I, I am a busy man, so I, I just uh, happen to be on my way home at, at this particular time. So I'm calling in, buddy. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll not be a stranger anymore on the phone lines for you. I love that. Thank you for the stats. Thank you for the historical precedent. I always love some good history. Thank you, Zach. No problem, Grant. We'll see you later. <laughs> Have a good one. Take care. Zach in Wisco. May tag Zach on Twitter. I'm looking at these stats from 94. This is nuts. So you referenced Tony Gwynn. He hit 398. Or 358, excuse me. His OBP was 398, which is nuts. So, a lot of singles. He's got, he hit 358. Am I looking at the right thing here? I want to make sure I'm on the right stat, yeah. Playing for Los Angeles, or playing for the Padres. Batting average of 358. He had total 175 hits, 41 doubles, three triples, only seven home runs. So, the guy who hit so well this year hit 358, and then he hit 394 the next year, right? There's just not a whole lot in the way of extra base hits, not a whole lot in the way of power. So you had guys, and I think the the middle of the road version of this, not today's version, not 94's version, and I always reference Jason Kendall as a joke, but he was a guy that I was going to come up and grind for singles. Craig Council was kind of this way too when he played. Where Battle at the plate. Craig's a better example. Jason Kendall just wasn't very good. I just think it's funny to bring him up. Craig Council would always battle. He'd stretch out at bats, and you still see that fiber of, of player, that type of player in players like Yadi or Molina who get up and they're just, they just suck. Like, you can't put them down. Joey Votto's the same way, right? I think Joey Votto and Molina are the more modern versions of that. Their average isn't going to be as good. The principle is still there of not striking out and wanting to put the ball in play, but these are also players that can boast a little bit more power and a little bit more, you know, run-driving inability than some players like in the early 90s, like Zach reference. Even though the batting average is great, right? I think over time we've learned that batting average is important, but it's not the only thing. You need to be able to drive the ball. You need to be able to get on base. And I think a combination of all those things have led us to where we are today. 
I, I don't know where baseball is going to go. I, I don't mind modern baseball. I feel like we have to have perspective and understand that not every one single game out of a 162-game season is going to be great. Some of them are going to be duds. That happens. But I do like thinking about what is modern, what is old school, how do they blend together, and how does that present in baseball games in 2021? And I think the last couple games for the Brewers, really interesting example. Want to continue to talk about this? I have one more Brewers point I want to make before 6 o'clock. I also have one point I want to make about the Packers. So we'll fit both of these two things in somehow, some way, before 6 o'clock. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I don't like this because I've said for a while we're going to get into the Packers, and I have, like, one more thing to say about the Brewers. So for continuity's sake, we're going to stick with the Brewers, and then we can finish the show with the Packers. Fair? I know I've been lying for, like, a half hour on what's coming up next, but whatever. It's my show anyways. I can do what I want. 608-796-2558. Give me a call. Give me a text. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Rary just sent us a nuke of a text here. There's a lot to get to here. So before I get to your text, Rary, we're going to speak with Eric on I-90, who is on the phone, because I don't want to keep him on hold. That would be rather rude. Eric, I-90, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am spectacular. I'm happy to hear from you. What's going on? Traffic's a little slow out here by Bangor. I just want to let everybody know. I appreciate that. I have to go to Onalaska after work tonight, so I don't think I'm going to make it that far. But on the off chance I do, thank you for the update. So I just want to kind of clarify some things. Okay. Because I am somewhat of a Bucks bandwagon jumper, okay? Okay. All right, just a little bit. I did watch them lose to the Raptors two years ago. Mm-hmm. I watched the debacle in, you know, in the uh, bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, that was going to go. You know, when they, when they stood up and said we're going to forfeit a game, I kind of knew, you know, these boys are not in it for the long haul. Yeah. Just wanted to clarify that with you. Okay. Because I know you said I just jumped on. I am a bandwagon jumper, though. I, I appreciate that. It takes a big man to admit that. Well, yeah, I am, but it, I really enjoy it. So, screw everybody, right? Yeah. They can, they can, right? Yeah. Um, and I I try to be a courteous listener, you know. Mm-hmm. The other night I tried to call in because you brought up the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And you brought up that Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That Kirk Cousins. He could be a likable guy, but he's just such a moron. <laughs> He makes it so hard. Right? <laughs> oh he makes God. it so hard because he's a stat he's a stat king, right? I mean yeah. he you look at him on paper, you know, the second half of last year, you know, he's uh he's a top five quarterback. Yeah. He's a moron. <laughs> Everson Griffin, you know, if he's one of our starters, we got problems. Yeah. He's a little bit washed up, I think. Yeah, I mean He's not the best quarterback in the world. Here's the thing about guys like Kirk Cousins or like Cam Newton's going through this right now. And I I don't mean to make this about vaccines because that's not the point here. But like Kirk could just get vaccinated and call it good. I don't think Kirk's a good enough quarterback to just be a pain in the butt about things. And he is. You know what I mean? Like, Kirk, you're not, you're not that good. You're not that guy where you can just do what you want. Like Aaron Rodgers is obnoxious at times, but he's Aaron Rodgers. So he kind of gets away with it. Tom Brady kisses his kids on the mouth. Okay, but he's Tom Brady. So we all love him. Kirk Cousins isn't those guys. He's not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, oh. and it makes it so hard to like him because he's just kind of a 
He's kind of a turd. I don't know. Doorknob. Yeah. Doorknob. He's a doorknob. Doorknob is a good word. But That's a good word. I'll be watching him. Oh, yeah. he succeeds. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, listening, when, I, when, you, when you're listening to a lot of Packer radio, because it's where I live, you know, mm-hmm. we might as well not even show up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's but kind of respect we'll you. see. Well, Eric. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, have a have a safe drive on the very busy I ninety, and appreciate the tra- the traffic update. I actually just got a text from my buddy. I'm no longer going down Alaska. Thank God, I don't have to de- just deal with uh, I ninety traffic. Appreciate that. Thank you, Eric on I ninety. Kirk Cousins makes it very hard to like him. Uh, just give us something to work with, Kirk. Please. I don't know. You're not that good. We don't really like you as a quarterback. You'd be likable as a person if you weren't such a tool. Rary texts in six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Uh, first, he says, I have a question and a comment. Let's do the question first. First question, what kind of music do you like to shred to? Well, Rary, glad you asked. We're talking about guitar players. Uh, I think mostly SRV, like Stevie Ray, because I think a lot of the more modern players that I like to play now, like we're built on Stevie Ray Vaughan, like I'm a big John Mayer fan, and I don't think you have, you don't have John Mayer without Stevie Ray Vaughan. And then there are other players, too. I like a little bit of Hendrix. I like a tiny little bit of Clapton. I like a lot of Clapton. I don't play a lot of Clapton. Really like Marcus King. Marcus King's awesome. I Big Mark Knopfler guy. And here's the thing, Rary. I'm glad you asked about this. Because if there's any young guitar players listening, you're like, oh, my God. What do I need to know to be a good guitar player and to get women? First of all, you're not going to get any women. That's the biggest lie that's ever told by our society. It's like, oh, you can play guitar. You'll get women. No, you won't. That's such a lie. Never has it helped me get women, ever. It's never done a damn thing for me. So if you're hoping to get women, you better have a you better have a great hair. You need to have an off-speed pitch because that's not going to get you to the promised land. Sorry to break the news to you, boys. It's, it's not happening. But a tip for young guitar players. Listen to Mark Knopfler and put the pick down. This is a problem. Everybody's so obsessed with playing with a pick. Your fingers are great. You can get some amazing sounds out of a guitar with your fingers. You can slap and tickle around. Don't be the guy who drums on his guitar. That's that's where I draw the line. That's hippie stuff. But learn to play with your fingers. You can get some awesome sounds with your fingers. So put the pick down. It's a great skill to be able to play with and without a pick. It is both. So there, I hope that answers your question, Rary. I would say Steve Ray Vaughan, John Mayer, Marcus King, a little Clapton, and every once in a blue moon, maybe a tiny bit of Hendrix. Your comment about Colton Wong is brilliant, and I want to talk about it. Uh, because I was saying something like this right when they signed him, and it's definitely proven to be the case. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to take a victory lap on it. That's what I'm saying, but I want to get to that next. Brett in lacrosse is on the phone, and I don't like making people wait. So, Brett, before we get to Rary's comment, let's have a superb conversation. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm splendid. I got to talk to Eric and I-90 and you, and I don't think I've got to talk to you, either of you yet this week, so it's nice to hear from you. What's up? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to call and let you know, you know, the greatest play I've ever seen live, mm-hmm. Rogers to Rogers. Were you there? No. Oh, 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 oh. I, I, I oh. saw it. I, I didn't go to bed like you did. I did. I just I, your segment now, I, now I get what you're saying. Yeah, I went to bed. I First of all, when was that, 2015? I was yeah. I was 16. I was so I had, I had school the next day. It was a school night. So I was being the responsible oh. adult going to bed and making sure I was well-rested for a long day of school and extracurriculars the next day. I, I won't you apologize, but I feel buck. bad. I get it. I get it. An old soul. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really have anything to call in besides uh, uh, that segment and just to say that the old Brewers are going to 
put another game between us and Cincinnati tonight. So I like that'll that. That'll be good. I like that. I um, love that a lot. Other than that, I don't know what's happening with the Packers D. It sounds like we just keep losing guys left and right. Do you think can, can I ask you a question about the Packers because you're you're not an owner, but you you seem like a de facto owner. You're like you hang out at Glory Days. You're, you know, you got guys in Green Bay. You got sources. So I'm going to ask you this. Does it uh-huh. seem to you like the Packers cut guys who are, like, too flamboyant, don't fit the Packers' way. Like, hey, we put our nose to the grindstone. We're Midwest. We're tough. Mike Clemens is talking about how Devin Funches is off by himself playing air guitar at practice. He's like, I don't think the Packers like that. Do you do you buy into that, that the Packers would cut guys because the personality doesn't fit? Because I, I don't know. Maybe that is yeah. antiquated, as some have said about Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, you don't see us pick up guys like Tampa Bay just did last year. I mean, you don't if, – if guys have a bad rep or they have, you know, say they've gotten into to some sort of legal trouble and stuff like that, the Packers are not interested in that whatsoever. That, that, that I'm okay with. And I'm, I'm really surprised that Sternberger is still with the team after uh, testing positive. What, do, you think, do you think that if they test positive, the Packers are like, oh, were you out partying? How did you get sick? And if you were at a party, you're obviously not no, committed. No, so no, 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 not like that. Didn't – he got he tested positive for performance enhancing, didn't he? Uh, yeah, but that, like that's happened before. I mean, I didn't Aaron didn't Aaron Jones miss games for that, or was that pot? I don't know. I if it's two games and it's something minor, I I think teams are willing to look the other way. Maybe not on an undrafted guy, but on a guy they drafted or somebody who's a contributor. I don't I don't know if that's yeah, a big but, deal. But you look at Sternberger's not a major contributor, so the fact that that he's still there surprises me. When we have Tanyan and we have. Um, shoot, I forget who else we have right now. Um, but we have several other tight ends. Mercedes so Lewis, Guara, yeah, Dominique yeah. Daphne. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's typically the Packers, that's the type of guy that they'd be like, nope, uh, you're one of them that's going to be on the cut list. Yeah. Um, so they don't, they don't really put up with what a lot of the other teams do. Whereas, you know, you look at Dallas. And the guys that are going to be in the most legal trouble, they're like, yeah, come on over. Or the Raiders. Oh, Dallas yeah, can't you help fit right themselves. in. Yeah. Well, in any like, team that on. Tom Brady, like, hey, uh, can we bring in Antonio Brown? I know he's a domestic abuser, and he easily could have killed a young child by throwing a TV out his window. But he can right. stay at my house, and I'll kiss him on the lips, and I'll, like, show him the Tom Brady yeah. way. I'll motivate him to be great um, because I have such drive and just, you know, I just he wants it yeah. more. Yeah. He, you know, I'll, he's I'll how do is he? all of 42, that. 42, 43, Tom Brady age. I need to have that ready. But yeah, is he 44? Okay. Tom Brady. I'm like that. Yeah. Gonna be 44. Either way, yes, he's 44. It's, it's, Good call. He he wants to train him, but he won't leave him home with Giselle by herself. That's for sure. I just hate Tom Brady. I think that's what we've decided here. Brett, this has been nice. And you said you texted in that you have some apple pie moonshine for me. Yeah. Well, you bought it. Store bought. It's store bought. It, it was legally made nope. and manufactured. We'll have to get connected nope. because I uh, I love apple. Delicious. Yeah, I almost just showed up. I almost just showed up this afternoon to knock on the door and be like, "Hey, <laughs> uh, someone want to grab Grant for me?" Because I know he's here at like noon. Yeah, I would have drank the uh, bottle before the show. That would have been bad. But we'll uh, we'll yeah. talk. I'll figure it out. We'll talk. We'll right. we'll have a business transaction. Thanks, Brett. Yep, you got it. Brett in lacrosse, ladies and gentlemen. I do think the Packers like they have a vendetta against players with certain personalities, and I. I understand having a system and a process that you believe in. That's part of the reason why I love the Brewers. They have a process that works. They stick to it. I don't know about the Packers in this whole no fun zone type of thing. I I, I don't know. <sighs> do, we, 
it, is this something we want to pursue? Like, do we want to do research into all of these Packers that have been cut over the years because they haven't been hard workers or whatever? Is this interesting to you? I, I, I don't know. I can't decide. The Sam Barrington, Josh Sitton thing a couple of years ago, everybody said that they got in a fight, and that's why it happened. Nobody really knows. And Mike Clements referenced that yesterday as a potential reason for why that happened. And then, you know, like, I... I don't know. Come on, Martin. People said it was off the field stuff. I don't, I don't think that at all. I just don't think he was a very good linebacker. And now Devin Funches is gone. Maybe he just wasn't a fit. I don't know. I wish the Packers weren't so obsessed about fit. We can't draft a guy if we haven't been following him since the eighth grade. I don't know. Something to think about. Uh, Rary, I know I've been trying to get to the second part of your text. Rary had a brilliant comment about Colton Wong. And because we're going to wrap up the show now with the Brewers, Let's do that. I have a Christian Yelich thing I want to bring up, and then Rare, your text on Colton Wong is spot on. So we'll get to that coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers practice in pads, and after an hour and a half outside, they finished indoors after a bolt of lightning struck nearby. Quarterback Jordan Love was back at practice, ran about a half dozen plays during the team period after Aaron Rodgers and Kurt Benkert, Matt LaFleur. He threw with our trainers every day. So, you know, it's just trying to get the volume up, trying to get the velocity up the distance, see how he's feeling tomorrow and, and try to get him back implemented at least in our indie periods before we put him back into the team periods just to see how he feels. Defensive back Kevin King made the play of the day, making a diving deflection of an on-target pass from Rodgers to MVS on the sidelines. Now King says he knows he's been blamed for the loss to the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship, but says he wanted to return to Green Bay to face his critics. Look, I'm not the type of guy that just tries to sweep under the rug you know I want to finish this with my guys the guys who believed in me the guys who continue to believe in me you know and, and I'm like I said I'm, I'm gonna do my part to, to uphold my side of the bargain we, we here to win a Super Bowl the Packers cut defensive nose tackle Josh Avery and placed veteran safety Will Redman on IR ending his season after suffering a severe toe injury against the Jets Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry we're really evaluating and looking at you know the last 20 to 25 spots on our roster. And it's great opportunities for those guys in full speed live situations to show what they got. Best Packers coverage. I hit myself in the eye with my headphones trying to put them over my head. Ow! It's It's the Wisco Sports Show. Last couple of minutes. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you, Mike Clemens. Thank you for the thank you for that update. Appreciate, appreciate it. Can we end the show now? Need some ice. 608-796-2558. We were talking a little bit about guitar playing because Rary asked uh, what guitar players I like to play. Gave him a couple. Stexer says David Gilmore. I I do like David Gilmore. I like anyone who plays a strat. I don't think there's a strat player I dislike. Eric Johnson is a little bit of a show-off sometimes, and he makes me feel bad about myself. So sometimes I, I feel a little spite towards Eric Johnson. Uh, David Gilmore is great because David Gilmore bends so much. And I, like, I around other people who play guitar, and I, I sound like I'm just judging everyone else, but I'm not. Kids these days are afraid to bend. Just seeing who can shred faster. Put some soul into it. Push and pull the strings. That's where you get that sensual sound from. David Gilmore is great at that. Good one. Thank you for the text. Herman, Schmidt on the north side. 
everybody contributing. Rary, your Colton Wong text. I've wanted to get to it for like 20 minutes and it just hasn't worked out. This is brilliant and I want to talk about this. Rary says, Colton Wong would be in contention for MVP of the Brewers just due to the fact of his defense and the way he takes pitches into full counts and higher pitch counts. It's fun to watch. Even if he drags out, or even if this drags out the game while he's doing it, it's still damaging to that starting pitcher. Rary, you bring up a couple of things. Colton Wong's defense, but also the way that he hits. Seeing a lot of pitches, putting the ball in play, and hitting for a little power, too. He's having a really powerful season. This is what I said when they signed Colton Wong. Now, I don't know if Colton Wong is the Brewers' MVP. I don't know if we'll ever hit 30 home runs, drive in, you know, 120 runs, nothing like that. But Colton Wong has a skill set that the Brewers covet, that they need. If you look at the Brewers lineup, Avi Garcia, guy who hits a lot of bombs, but he also gives you some ugly at-bats now and again, right? Christian Yelich struck out a little bit too much this year. They have some pop in their lineup. What they need is activity. You guys get on base. You guys hit singles, doubles, put the ball in play, put pressure on the defense, put pressure on the pitcher. That's what Colton Wong does. That's exactly what they needed in the lineup. And he's so damn good at it. And when they went to go get Colton Wong, I'm like, this is beautiful. He provides something that the Brewers offense really needs. That's huge. I love that. And I'm glad that you brought it up, Rary, because you could not be more correct. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. I'm just making sure that I didn't miss anything. Yesterday, we talked with David Gasper, and I wanted to mention this before we go, because this is a project that I'm going to start tonight. I will assign you homework. You don't have to do it, but it's just, you know, if you have time tonight, there's something maybe to do. We were talking yesterday with David Gasper about Christian Yelich. And how I'm going to start watching him making mental notes of a couple of things. Whether the Brewers win or lose. Whether Yelich plays an instrumental role in the game or not. Right? Things I'm watching for. Yesterday, Gasper gave us a, a list of bullet points. What does it mean for Christian Yelich to be back? What should we be looking for? What are the signs? Here's what David Gasper said. I mean, if we're talking about Yelich being back to MVP form, I mean, that is the, the combination of you know, hitting and on-base ability and hitting for power. It's getting the singles and doubles. It's hitting the ball hard, spraying it all over the field, not just this pull-happy thing that he's been doing for the past year and a half, which has resulted in quite a lot of shifts, some very strong shifts against him Mm -hmm. and leaving the third-base side wide open. I mean, 2018-2019, when he was was at his best, um, he was going to all fields, um, and they really couldn't shift on him. So that's really going to be kind of the measuring stick. I don't think we're going to see the shifting stop for a little bit longer just because of how teams look at the the numbers and and things like that. But really, over his last 10, 11 games, uh, he's really been looking like he's back. I mean, he's hitting 356 uh, with a 939 OPS in his last 45 at-bats over his last 11 games. He's got those two home runs that you saw. He's got the RBIs. He's got a couple of doubles. Um, he's been looking a whole lot better, hitting the ball with authority, hitting it to all parts of the field. That's the Christian Yelich that that we know, and, and that's the Christian Yelich that won an MVP award. Three bullet points that I'm hearing. Getting on base, hitting for power, and hitting to all fields. So Christian Yelich being back, in air quotes, whatever that means, that probably means something different to everybody else. It's not just about him hitting dozens of home runs, hitting the ball way out of the ballpark. Christian Yelich being back, even if it's slightly below MVP level, means that he's a complete player once again. He's getting on base. He's hitting for singles. He's putting the ball in play. But he's also a threat to hit for power. And he's hitting to all fields. Those three things together, it's like the holy trinity. 
Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Vampires, Mummies, and the Holy Ghost. Very good Jimmy Buffett song. Very underrated album in Fruitcakes. Not a great guitar album. There's not a lot of guitar on there, but worth listening. Not the point. All three, on base, power, and hitting to all fields. And Gasper mentioned, like, the, the shifts aren't going to go away even if Yelich, you know, continues to improve and put the ball to all fields because baseball's a long season. It takes a long time for those numbers to rectify, and, and managers aren't going to change things night in and night out based off of a week's worth of performance. Those are what we're looking for. Those three things. On base, hitting with power, and hitting to all fields. Last night in the first inning, Yelich has a single over the shortstop's head, and I go, ooh, I texted Gasper. I was like, there you go. Hitting to the opposite field. That's a great sign. I think he just missed in that seventh inning when he hit that sack fly. Got a great pitch. Got the bat on it. It just was a little bit off. I, I think Yelich might hammer that ball as a home run before too long. Like I think he's just seeing the ball better. He's feeling it better. And I think he's got a little bit of confidence. I think we're close. Yelich doesn't have to be an MVP, but he might have to have MVP moments. Last month of the season and into the postseason, if the Brewers are to win and win at the highest level, make a World Series. Once they get there, whatever, that's that's you know icing on the cake. But getting to their first World Series since the 80s would be pretty special. Tomorrow, going to talk more about the Packers. Still haven't heard from Kevin King. Maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we won't. I don't know. In the meantime, watch the Brewers tonight. We'll talk more about that series tomorrow as well. Seeing you asked about guitar players, I said Marcus King. Here's a little Marcus King. I will talk to you tomorrow. Yeah.